The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers to achieve their potential and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Welcome. Ken and Cheryl here, and we've got a special guest with us today. Margaret Morford is organizational consultant and author of The Hidden Language of Business. We're going to be talking about positive office politics for your career success. Well, we hope everyone had a great holiday season and that your new year has gotten off to a wonderful start. Everyone likes to make New Year's resolutions and make new goals to ensure a better year than the previous one. Well, today's guest will discuss a topic from which everyone can gain improved relationships, increase power and influence, and at the same time advance your career. So if that is one of your goals, listen into some great tips to help positive and ethical uh, workplace politics skills to achieve your personal effectiveness. Let me give you a, uh, just a short background on Margaret Morford. She is an organizational consultant, coach, and trainer through her firm, the HR Edge, Inc., and she's also a former human resources executive. She is author of the bestseller, Management Courage, and her new book, the Hidden Language of Business, Workplace Politics, Power, and Influence. Margaret is a frequently quoted business expert in the national media. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you very much. Well, you spent a lot of time on the road. Uh, understand that you just got back from an assignment. Are you all set for a new week? I am all set for a new week, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and it is snowing to beat the band here, so everything is stopped and flights are canceled everywhere. Luckily, I had plans to be in the office for the next two or three days. Uh, sounds real cozy. We don't get snow down here in Houston, but, you know, we love to go play in the snow, so we kind of envy you a little bit. Well, it's not. It's pretty unusual for us to get this much, so the city's pretty locked down. Oh, boy. Well, hopefully it'll all work out and uh, and people Absolutely. will enjoy making a snowman. <laughs> well, there's a little more probably to do than that, but it is beautiful. Or a, or a snow woman. Let's not be sexist. Oh, that's a good idea, Ken. <laughs> well, often people think of politics in the workplace as a negative thing, uh, Margaret, and that the only way to avoid them is to not be political. But you say everyone engages in workplace politics, even if they don't want to you know, admit it and that we can consciously develop our political skills. So what do you mean by that? Well, so often um, people will say, I don't play politics. And if you don't play politics, then I hope you've got, I hope you like the current job you have because you're not going to advance. People do play politics. It's a reality of the workplace. You cannot get two people together in the workplace that you don't have some kind of politics. Politics is about whose agenda gets accomplished, 
how it gets accomplished, if there are limited resources, who gets a piece of that. But politics doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. And when I talk about this, I'll ask groups, I'll say, how many of you have been right in the workplace and you made people mad? And everybody kind of laughs. And I had one gentleman who raised his hand and he goes, I was so right, they didn't talk to me for 30 days. (laughs) And I said, well, the problem with that is that you're not effective. And all politics really is, it's about relationships and getting things accomplished. Um, It's about how much of your agenda gets accomplished. It's really the difference between being right and being effective. And effective is the only thing that counts in the workplace today. Well, I have to agree with that. And we see that a lot of times with our clients too, Margaret. And you know, and sometimes we even have to hold ourselves back because we know we're right, but if we just blurt it out, that someone's going to probably punch us back in the face. <laughs> so or or they, don't really want, they don't want to work with you, or yeah, they remember what, what you really as being difficult. You to write the, the hidden language of business then? I'm sorry? What really prompted you to write the book? Probably because I saw more people derail their career because they didn't understand the politics this sort of unspoken stuff that goes on. And the further up you move in an organization, the more likely you are to get fired or to be stagnated because you don't understand the politics. And politics kind of divides itself into, I see it as three different areas. Most people um, get fired or they get chosen for layoff when someone's got to be laid off or they don't get chosen for a promotion, usually because of what I think of as sort of the big three political mistakes. Either their organization has changed direction and and they're not aware of it, so they're out of step with their organization. They run afoul of somebody who's very powerful, and that will stop your career faster than anything or they haven't built a wide enough network to support them when they make a mistake. People make mistakes all the time in the workplace. What happens a lot of times is when someone makes a mistake, um, other people in the organization will do what I call piling on. They'll go, oh, yeah, that's just like Margaret. Oh, yeah, I can't believe she made that kind of mistake. And what you want to do is reverse that tendency and have people out there when you've made a mistake saying, you know, yeah, that's a mistake, but that's not like Margaret. No, that's not the norm for Margaret. That's the first time I've ever seen her do something like that. You Margaret, want... this, is, this is exactly what we uh, talk about in Job Search, the total system. It, we've been doing our show now for over two years, and it's absolutely amazing how many corollaries there are between you know what we say and the many authors we've had on, like yourself, who speak very succinctly about a very unique part of the environment. But it's all about uh, doing exactly what you're saying, and that's exactly how you can succeed in uh, your organization, work harder, smarter, longer, and do all the things that need to be done. And uh, if you would, speak for a second about the current job market and people who are being laid off out of organizations and... um, what is what are the main reasons for that, and what can they do to uh, keep from doing that? I think you have to get really tuned in. That's really what politics is about. You also have to build a wide network of people that are very plugged in. Um, one of the rules in the book 
it says to listen to the grapevine because research tells you that 80% of um, the stuff that you hear on the grapevine is true. And frankly, the grapevine knows about changes long before changes get announced. And if you understand the direction your organization's going in, you can align yourself. You don't want to be seen as somebody who can't change or who really represents the old way of thinking. That's the kind of thing that gets a target drawn on your back. And face it, when companies get ready to pick people for layoff, they keep the most effective people, the people that they think will take them in the direction they need um, the organization to go. Another area which I'd like you to address is uh, one that a lot of people don't understand, and that is you've got to be on the side of the power structure, the people who do make the decisions. uh, Talk about... Uh, today's environment relative to a performance appraisal, whether or not they're being conducted and how people can use those most effectively? Well, um, you know, everybody's going to get reviewed in some form or fashion, and you want to make sure because that essentially becomes part of your permanent employment record. You want to be sure that those things go well. Um, You also want want to try to work, if possible, in organizations for people that are extremely powerful, You know, um, one of the early lessons I got on politics from somebody who was particularly astute is I'm talking about a corporate decision we're going to make. We're going to have a meeting on that. And I'm pretty pleased because I've gotten out and sort of unofficially gotten where people stand, so I've kind of counted the votes. And I say to somebody who was particularly astute, it's probably not going to happen because there are 10 of us in that meeting, and I've polled... I've sort of polled everyone unofficially, and seven of the people are opposed to it. And the person looked at me, and this was such a great lesson, and he goes, Margaret, you are thinking everybody has one vote. There are people sitting in that room that have five and ten votes Mm. when they cast their vote. Mm. And that's what the power structure is all about. Mm. There are some very high-level people in organizations who hold very high-level positions, but they're not power brokers. They're not the people that shape what goes on in the organization. Is their opinion important? It is. But they don't move the organization. They help the organization move once the decision's been made. And, Margaret, what's interesting about what you're saying is, uh, I've been doing this for many years also, it the person with the power is not necessarily the person with the title, interestingly yes. enough. Yes. And that person oftentimes has uh, as much power or more power than the person with the title, and it's an amazing process to watch. Yes, and it's very subtle. That's one of the reasons that I talk about the signs that you're looking at a power broker. You've really got to study what's the interaction going on in the organization, not what's the title. There are some people that hold no title at all that are extremely powerful in organizations. Well, you know, what really resonated with me, um, Margaret, as I was reading through your book, is that uh, the underlying, when you talk about politics, it really comes down to relationships and understanding people and the relationships between people. And that's something that is applicable not only in the workplace, but also in our homes and in other associations and circles of of contacts that we have so that these um, these little rules that you have throughout really apply to our entire lives. 
Well, I would agree to that. And, and the book talks about politics within your own workplace. But I know that um, you guys specialize in job searches and you have a whole system about that. And you talk about relationships. And a job search is really about relationships. It's not necessarily about competencies. Um, normally that's already been done when someone's looked at your resume. Now they'll test whether what you say in your resume is true, but if you get the interview, it's really about relationships and chemistry and understanding what's really going on. And a lot of times in a job search, while you may interview with six or eight people, there's usually one or two that make the decision. And it's not always the hiring manager. And you've got to understand that. Who's the person that it's really important to impress? Exactly. Usually the other people in the interview process, if they had a strong negative reaction to you, that might knock you out of the running. But their affirmative vote is not always as powerful as one or two people. And, Margaret, the interesting thing about what you're saying is that if you're uh, a student of human behavior, you can actually identify who the real power structure person is and um, help uh, your cause relative to what you say and how you say it and direct your attention oftentimes to that person. But it's important to score points with everyone and not turn anyone off in that decision-making process. Absolutely. It's also important to understand what's important to them and answer your questions in that regard and talk about the things that are important to them, which means you've got to read them pretty fast. Exactly, and uh, that takes preparation and, and skill, and many of the uh, rules that you have throughout um, the hidden languages of the workplace really helps a person to think uh, clearly about that. Well, we're going to take a little break here, but when we get back, we're going to explore more on how you can enhance your career success with positive politics, so stay tuned. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. 
Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Are you unhappy with your life? Looking to get unstuck from your rut? Are your fears of happiness, love, and success holding you back? You deserve a second chance. Tune in to Second Chances with Susan Armstrong. Each show will help you find your inner success. Whether it's financial success, relationship success, or the happiness and freedom in your personal life. You'll hear from Susan and some of the most influential guests who are talking the talk and walking that walk. Second Chances airs live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Margaret Morford, and we're talking about positive office politics. And, and we, in the last segment, Margaret, mentioned how important it is to think about uh, this is a relationship process, and networking is such a hot topic now in virtually every business uh, circle that it's one of the things that you address um, in your chapter on careers. And you first rule of networking is um, that you should do it weekly. Even, you know, I'm not talking about job search, but actually when you're in an organization that you should network why is that so important, and how do you recommend making it a part of one's schedule? Well, everybody's busy, and I absolutely understand that, and it's easy to get involved in the work and not do your networking. And I talk to so many people who um, say, I'm out of a job or I lost my job unexpectedly, and I haven't done a good job networking. In fact, it's rare to find anybody that has. And the problem is you need to have been doing this the whole way along. Um, The best hint I can give anybody is that you should invest 15 minutes a week in your network. That's all you got to do. Shut your door, pick up the phone, and call somebody. Work through your business card file or your Rolodex or your contact list. However you keep that information, you should make a call a week. And just shut your door and invest and just call somebody and say, I was thinking about you and just wondered how you were doing. You don't want anything. You don't need anything. You just want to catch up with them. Because what happens is when you need them, when you need them for a job search, sometimes you need a favor. I'm doing some research. Or we're thinking about doing the following. What's been your experience with the following? You can get some inside scoop from somebody and not have to reinvent the wheel. The bottom line is, if you build a wide network, you've got people you can call on for favors, 
to short-circuit stuff, um, for anything that you need. And if you need a job, if you need some help in a job search, you want to have a long-established relationship with someone. And, Margaret, that's why uh, having a network is so critical. It, it's, uh, in, our, in our opinion, far more than just you know, doing someone a favor. You need excellent and outstanding references. And that's yes. what your network provides you, people from all walks of life uh, who can speak to your job search skills and abilities from many, many different perspectives. And that's why uh, networking is so critical from our perspective. Well, it's also just important whether you're doing a job search or not, it's important to have really good contacts because while you may not be looking for a job, someone may know of the next great position that's out there or you may need some expertise. You may have a particular business problem that comes up and you go, ah, I really think I need to bounce this off somebody. But see, when, from our perspective, uh, it is absolutely essential that you're always looking to advance your career, either in your own organization or outside your organization. And that's how successful people network, and that's how successful people go to positions that they really like and um, advance their careers as they should. So, you know, then people say, well, I'm not looking to advance my career. Well, you know, are you breeding? Are you alive? Are you human? I mean, that's exactly what the whole process is all about. Well, the problem is if you're not moving forward, you're stagnating. That's right. And the work world moves forward so fast that you become irrelevant pretty exactly. fast if exactly. you don't network. And here's, here's the advantage of networking. That means that you call a contact maybe once or twice a year, but they hear from you, and you just want to know how they're doing. How's business? How's everything going? It's really just, you know, I just kind of wanted to check on you. And the other key so, piece here, Margaret, is making sure that you're doing as much or more for the person than they're doing for you. It's all about helping others, and when you help others, they in turn help you. Well, exactly my point. When I get a call from somebody I haven't heard from in five years saying, I just wanted to catch up with you, I know that there's some sort of favor they want. They're Absolutely. looking for a job or whatever, and that's okay. Um, I'll help them. I'll make suggestions. But when I get a call from somebody who stays in touch with me, either sends me an email periodically or picks up the phone or both, which I really recommend, um, when I say close your door and call somebody, I mean face-to-face -face conversation. Well, not face-to-face, -face, but conversation with them, not just an email where they can go, well, they probably blasted that out to 100 people on their contact list. Exactly when they right. call and me. And that's and, why, uh, you know, being honest and transparent. I mean, when people say to me, I want to pick your brain, I say, sorry, it's already been picked apart. There's nothing left. Well, I, I, you know, networking offers you the opportunity to get a different perspective or to get some information you wouldn't normally get. Or they'll say, well, here's what the experts tell you, but here's what's really going on. That's incredibly helpful because we live in clearly the information age, and the more information you have and the better information you have, and a lot of that's going to come from your network and your contacts, the better off you are. And, and also touch uh, with picking contacts who can broaden your network and broaden yes. your um, your exposure in different uh, uh, parts of the market, such as professional associations. Talk a little bit, Margaret, about how important that can be in expanding your network. Well, I think you should – one of the things that 
I recommend is that you should join one or two professional associations and no more than two because if you're going to do it, you need to be an effective member. When I look at somebody's resume or someone says, well, I'm on this board and this board and this board and this board, how effective can they possibly be and how much of a contributor can they be? Um, The boards... uh, offer executives from all different organizations. So those are great contacts to have, and it's good to be um, connected like that. But you want to be a contributor. I've also seen somebody use um, those contacts in a job search. One of the most powerful things I ever saw somebody do in a job interview is they said, I'm on... I think they were on the Red Cross board. And they go, I've used the chairman of the Red Cross board um, as one of my references. Please, I encourage you to call him. Um, He will tell you how hard I work when I'm not being paid. Mm -hmm. And that had great impact on everybody he interviewed with. Yeah, that's a very powerful reference. And I thought that was a really interesting way to use boards. The other thing is you shouldn't just work at what you do. You need to be broader than that, and you do need to step away from work, and I do believe that you got to serve, and boards are a great way to do that, and it gives you a chance to add to the community along with building your own network. And those who are maybe not um, far enough along in their careers to be on the boards, I mean, there's lots of committees, there's lots of opportunities to volunteer in different um, parts of the associations, whether they're for uh, not um, you know in the nonprofit sector where you're serving, or if they're professional associations where you can be involved in what's the latest going on in your industry, what are the new developments, um, and those are great ways too to find um, contacts outside of your organization that will help you in networking when you are in transition also. Yes, I agree, and I have to tell you one of the most interesting network stories. You mentioned on the front end, Cheryl, that I'm from Nashville. Well, if you follow the national news, in Nashville we had historic flooding. I mean, the city closed down. It was disastrous. And here's, I'll never forget, I got three emails from people around the country that I had met saying, we saw the film of Nashville, and it looks awful. Are you okay? Sure. If you think when they call me for a favor, I don't move heaven and earth to do something for them, uh, and I can tell you exactly who those three people are. Exactly right. Exactly. We remember those who reach out to us in times of struggle. Yes, and that's really powerful stuff. Well, what goes around comes around. The way you deal with people is uh, exactly the way uh, you should be dealing with them, and uh, they never forget you. Well, and I agree with that, and when you read the beginning of this book, you know, the chancy thing about writing about workplace politics is that it has a pretty dirty name, and it has a dirty name for a good reason. Most everything out there on office politics and workplace politics is about how to use people, how to step on people um, to get where you want to go. Well, and That's not anything I'd be in favor of, and I really do believe that you want to treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, are there people that will step on you? They are, and we cover how to handle some of those in the book. But um, you can be politically savvy and do positive and great things in your organization. 
if you're a manager, you want to be very politically um, aware because that that's how you get resources. That's how you go get raises for the people that work for you because if you have enough clout in um, lim- limited resources, you'll be able to get more stuff for the people that work for you and have done a good job for you. Well, uh, one of the things that you point mm-hmm. out throughout your book, and then you just have a minute here, uh, Margaret, but that uh, almost everything you do throughout your job, throughout your career development, is going to impact how effective you are as a job seeker. So it's really an ongoing process, isn't it, to uh, be prepared for those career transitions? It it absolutely is. And sometimes, I mean, occasionally people will say, I didn't know you were looking for a new job. Well, I wasn't, but I got the call. Yeah. And, and that's the best position to be in. Always being prepared. Well, when we return for break, we're going to learn more about uh, the importance of uh, practical, positive political rules. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. 
comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to TCS on air at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Margaret Morford. Margaret, we've covered a lot of great ground already. Um, and I have to bring up this one rule that just really kind of threw me for a moment. Give us your rationale for the rule about your go-to-hell fund. You know, I get asked about that one a lot, and, and I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, it belongs to Mike Thompson, and Mike Thompson is somebody I worked with two or three jobs ago, and he was smart, bright, up-and-comer, and no matter where he went, he sort of advanced through the ranks, um, and he went through a couple of mergers and acquisitions, and one particular one that I remember is they pretty much, they were bought, and they pretty much let everybody go except him. And I had a conversation with him about it. He says, well, Margaret, um, I don't worry. I-, I can remember there were rumblings in the marketplace that his company was for sale, so I called him. And I said, how do you think you're doing? Do you need some help? Can I do something to help you? He says, no, Margaret, I think I'm going to wait and see how it shakes out. And I said, you sound remarkably calm. And he says, well, that's because I have my go-to-hell fund. <laughs> well, tell me about that. And he said, it took me years. I saved a little bit out of every paycheck till I saved enough money to have six months' worth of salary there. I mean, if I buckled down, I could last six months. He said, what happens after that is two things. One is when everything's shifting, um, particularly when you're being bought or you're being acquired or there's a reorg going on, he goes, I'm remarkably calm because I know that no matter how it, how it turns out, I'm going to be okay. Either I'm going to get a severance package and then I've got six months past that or they're going to keep me. And so what happens a lot of times is I just buckle down. I don't resist when I'm asked for information to provide to the buyers, I don't try to scuttle the deal. I offer my advice. Um, and he goes, when it, does get, when it did get bought, I was the only one that acted pretty sane through the whole process, and they kept me. So he says, it, it, just, gives, it just makes me calm and makes me not worry about some of this stuff. Um, he says, the other thing, and I thought this was very interesting, he says, it gives me choices. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times in organizations, you get a directive that you don't always agree with. And he goes, I always test it and say, do I so vehemently disagree with this that I'm willing to take a stand and possibly use my go-to-hell fund? And he says, it makes it very clear for me. And so it makes me able to stay with my principles 
or it makes me able to say, this is not the place I want to take a stand. He says, but then I've at least made a conscious decision to go along with it. And um, he says, it gives me great peace of mind. And I think it's a really smart piece of advice. Well, it's just intelligent management. I mean, that's what it's all about. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I like to say is if you really don't like your boss, tell him what you think of him and he shall set you free. <laughs> that's another way to get the same result. But you still got to have the goal of go to hell fun, Jen. <laughs> well, I have one, Cheryl, so I just want to okay, let you good. know that. Well, well, another uh, rule that I thought was a little bit counterintuitive, and, and Margaret, we love to help people with negotiations, but one of your rules is uh, not to price yourself out of a current, uh, or out of the market, rather, in a current position. So tell us a little bit about that rule. Well, you want to do well. Everybody wants to make as much money as they possibly can, but there's a point at which you can negotiate yourself into a position that I think draws a target on your back. Particularly right now, we've been through a recession, everybody's looking at salary numbers, and uh, the, the best example, and I talk about it in the book, comes from someone who was a news director. And if you know, it runs someone's news operation in a television station. And the broadcast industry is organized so that groups own numerous stations. In his particular group, they own nine or ten stations. And he calls me because it's time to negotiate his employment contract. A lot of work is done in the broadcast industry with employment contracts. And he says, I'm thinking about not asking for a raise, which kind of stunned me. And I said, walk through with me why you're thinking this is not a good idea. He says, we're having some revenue issues, and this is not the right time to ask for a raise. I know kind of what they're giving raise-wise, and Margaret, I'm making really good money. He's been with them a long time. He's a real innovator and a real thinker, and he's given them some great ideas, and they've rewarded him. He says, I know for a fact that out of the nine news directors, nine or ten news directors, because, you know, there are nine or ten other people in the group just like him at different TV stations, I'm the highest paid one out there. Because my big fear is if they sell the group, I'll stick out way above everybody else, um, to the new owners, and they have no idea what I can contribute or what leads to that number. Um, or my company will have to do some pretty tough expense cutting, and if you're the most expensive person in that particular job category, it makes you much more likely to be let go because it can save so many more dollars. He says, so I'm thinking about negotiating for something that's valuable to me and might be valuable to me long range. And what he asked for was a week of additional vacation off the books, and he asked them to send him to the Pointer Institute. For journalists, that's the equivalent of being sent to Harvard for a week. Mm. I said, well, what would the Pointer Institute run cost-wise? He said probably about $10,000 between tuition, travel, books, all of that. And so I said, I think that's really smart. If you were to ask for a raise, so what you're really asking for is something that has about $11,000 worth of value. The average raise you could hope to get is two or $3,000, given what they're giving currently, of which the IRS would get at least a third. And I said, I think it's a really smart idea. So you look like a team player because you say, I understand money's tight, and let me talk to you about giving me some other things rather than money. And, sometimes and if worse comes to worse and he gets laid off or let go, 
he's got the Pointer Institute to put on his resume, which exactly. is a pretty impressive credential to have. Absolutely. And you have to be thinking about your resume all the time, don't you, Margaret? Oh, I think so. One one of the things that I recommend is that you update your resume once a year, whether you're looking or not, for a couple of different reasons. And you guys know this. Most of the really great jobs never hit the job boards because there's so many people that want them. They can put together a really good, tight, um, high-performing group of candidates just from reaching out to some people. That's right. So what you want to do is when someone says, oh, no one knows it, but there's a job coming open, you want to have your resume ready to send because it shows interest, it shows preparation. What you don't want to do is hastily put together a resume because it needs to be really well crafted. And the other thing updating your resume once a year tells you is have you learned anything new? Do you have anything new to put on your resume? And one of the big warning flags to me is if you don't have anything new to put on your resume, you're not growing and you're not developing. Margaret, what is so critical, and you've read Job Search's whole system, you understand this, is that uh, an A-plus resume is absolutely crucial. Most people say, well, I know how to put a resume together, and they don't. Ninety-five percent of resumes are worthless because... People get bad advice in terms of what to say, how to write them, and all the rest. And that's why the 10 chapters in our book talks about everything you talk about, but in a job search mode. And if you will follow them across the board, your career will be advanced, and that's our personal commitment to our readers. Well, it's really important because there's a big difference between having 10 years of experience and having the same year of experience 10 times. And I see a lot of resumes that are incredibly factual with long lists on them. And I go, what have you done? Mm -hmm. What can you give me as a bullet point that you accomplished? I understand when you say you were a controller. I understand what that all involves. Tell me what kind of controller you were. But the important thing is what have you done for the employer? Yes. Okay, it's all about... uh, Two things an employer is hire people for, and one is to make them money, and the other is to save them money. Yes. And when you can do that and speak specifically to how you've done that, that's an A-plus resume. Yes, I agree. And that's one of your strong rules that you have also uh, is just talking about the importance of having those results that you can point to um, and that you can use not only in your job search, but you mentioned another rule, Margaret, about using that to kind of communicate up the chain of command or up the the career ladder about what you have contributed to the organization so that they will be mindful of that when they're looking for that next candidate to to promote. Yes, but but it shouldn't be a long list, and it shouldn't include everything you've done for the year. Uh, My touchstone rule is if you can't put a number, a dollar value to it, don't report it. And, Cheryl, the rule you refer to is one of the things I suggest to people is that you should make an annual accomplishments list. Mm. What have you been worth to your organization over the last 12 months? Now, from a political standpoint, you should do it right before you know that your manager is going to write your annual performance review. Mm. One, because everybody knows managers hate doing this stuff, and if you furnish them with anything that they could drop in your performance review, um, They'll do it. And, and so you want them to have some really positive stuff to report. And it well, should that, be bullet points. That's what have you excellent. saved them 
as you said, Ken, what have you saved them or how have you cut costs for them and assign a dollar value to it? And be very open with your manager. I know you're going to write my performance review in another couple of weeks. I thought I'd furnish you with this to help. And they'll love you for it, too, because you've helped them to, to develop what, you know, if, it, if it's not an, an ordinary part of the goal process for the organization, which more and more organizations are moving to more of a systematic way of doing that, then if you take the initiative, you've really helped, helped your manager in the process. Yes, and why wouldn't you want them to report really good numbers on you? Absolutely. Well, stay tuned. We've got some more insights on positive office politics. We'll be right back. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to betterjobbetterlife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. Michelle Core Six Degrees is your connected consciousness. Six Degrees is what comes around, goes around radio. Committed to delivering a fresh perspective on thought-provoking, investigative information that can change your life. Six Degrees connects you to the social and emotional scene and is your trusted advisor from finance to romance, mainstream to metaphysical. It's a positive, upbeat look at life, love, and the pursuit of passion. Get connected Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are listening to total career success with ken and cheryl dawson do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken Cheryl here with Margaret Morford, and we've covered some excellent rules for improving one's uh, political savvy. And I like your very first rule in the book, uh, Margaret, where you talk about personal effectiveness, and that is the rule to say yes 
How can we make that uh, work for us? Well, what happens, because we're so busy, and if someone has a great idea and they come in all excited about their idea and they want to talk to you about it, and if you've got several years of experience, about two or three sentences into the idea, you can see that it's not a great idea. And what happens with a lot of managers is they start saying, well, what would you do about this? What would you do about this? What would you do about this? All very valid questions. But the impression they leave that individual with is they're not interested. And politics a lot of times is about how people perceive Mm -hmm. their relationship or what's going on in the interaction. I talk a lot about unspoken messages, and unspoken messages get people. Um, If someone's got a great idea or wants to roll out a suggestion to you, the best thing I can recommend is that you sit quietly and let them get all the way through it. Now, if it's a bad idea, then the best question to ask is to say, okay, we could do that. If we did that, what would you do about and fill in the blank with your biggest objection? And then here's the key. Shut up. I talk a lot about the strategic shut up, and people don't use it because we're taught when we ask an awkward question to keep talking to make it better. In this situation, you don't want to make it better. This is a terrible idea, and you don't want to kill the person's enthusiasm. You want them to come to the realization it's not a great idea rather than having you tell them it's not a great idea. Because when you tell them or you start asking skeptical questions, the impression they walk away with is that you're not open to new ideas. That's a terrible reputation to have in an organization. And that's so easy for you to gain it. And lots of times you gain lots of reputations for all the wrong reasons. Well, you know, it's so funny because when you talk to employees about managers and they talk about the managers they hate, they'll give you sort of the overview, but there's always some small incident they use as an illustration. And there was a particular manager in an organization that people couldn't stand. And the one thing everybody talked about, and it's such a small thing, but it so represented everything they felt about him, they said, you know, um, he always drinks the last cup of coffee but never makes any coffee. Uh-oh. And they would go, he's arrogant. Oh. Now, I don't know whether that was true about that manager or not, but when they saw that, they said he's arrogant. He thinks he's too good to make coffee for everybody else. Yeah. We're his servants. I heard people talk about that. He treats his people like they're servants. And every time I would say, what makes you believe that, they would bring up this particular incident. Sometimes the smallest things can uh, undermine our, our credibility, can't they, Margaret? Well, isn't, isn't there's an old Arab proverb that says, it's not the mountain ahead that gets me down, it's the grain of sand in my shoe. Mm. Wow, that's pretty profound. <laughs> it's that, true, too. That was, that was a profoundity. Well, I appreciate that, but can't take credit for it. It's I didn't hundreds think of you years would. old. <laughs> but you know what wisdom is, is when you remember the right things at the right time. So you're doing really well, Margaret. Well, thank you. Well, the, another rule that I thought really stood out well, because everybody has disagreements. They're in a, inevitable. So what's your rule for handling those situations? Well, it, it depends on how the disagreement arises. Let's say you're sitting in a meeting and someone says something in a meeting that you disagree with. If it's not going to get the meeting off track, you should let it go and then go see them one-on-one. 
and say, I want to talk with you about something you said in the meeting that I've got a problem with, but I wanted to have a private conversation with you about it. First of all, you start off on a very positive note because you didn't embarrass them, and they appreciate that. The other thing you've done is nothing makes somebody dig in and defend their viewpoint than challenging them in front of an audience. So don't do it. Now, if what they say is going to get the whole project or the whole meeting off track and you think you've got to speak up, speak up in a way that allows them to save face. And one of my favorite things to use is when someone says, um, here's the decision I've made, and I think it's a bad decision. I don't, I don't beat around the bush, but I try to be subtle about challenging them. And the conversation to challenge them is something like this. You know, Cheryl, when you made that decision, I think there's a piece of information no one shared with you that may change how you come out on that decision. And then I trot out the most powerful fact I've got that I think would change their mind. Then when you've done that, you at least give them room to step back, change their mind, and save face at the same time by saying... Um, you know, given that, maybe I do come out differently. If nothing else, they'll appreciate the fact that you signaled them that you think there's a problem. That's very impressive, Margaret. I must say this has been a very, very extraordinarily uh, sophisticated show, and we appreciate all the sophistication you've added to it. Well, I appreciate that. I try to talk about practical stuff. Um, we talk about so much theory in the workplace, and most people I find just go, can you give me a tool? Can you give me a script? Can you suggest something I might say? And I think it's really important. A lot of the really great scripts I have came from other people. I watched them do some pretty good stuff. And I go, oh, I've got to try that next. So it's all about tools. Well, and, that's, and I really like your book, Margaret, because it is um, easy to use. You can go to a topic that you're struggling with, and you also break out the chapters so that, you know, the various topics that relate uh, to the different type of political situations or building of relationships, and it's uh, easy to use, but there are little gold nuggets all the way through it. What's your top rule for dealing with coworkers? Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. Um, never shanghai a coworker with their boss if you can avoid it. And try to be as transparent as possible when you've had a disagreement with a coworker. Mm-hmm. I had a peer and we disagreed with how a situation should be handled. Um, they were the head of operations for the company and I'm the head of human resources. And the CEO has been very clear. We both report to the CEO that I'm to keep him informed. And we had a liability issue that arose, a pretty serious one. And I, I went to him and said, I need to tell you about what's happened with one of the people in operations. And he says, you're overreacting. And I said, I don't think I'm overreacting. I think this is the kind of stuff that we could wind up on the front page for. And he goes, you're overreacting. And I couldn't get him to agree to some way that we would address this. So I said to him, you know I have to go tell the CEO. Just be very transparent. I've got to tell the CEO because I'm responsible Mm. for employment liability. Mm. Now, i got to go to him because we can't work this out. Um, Do you want to go with me? Now, if they don't want to go with you... Mm -hmm and he did not, 
I had at least told him what I was going to do, and I went down to see the CEO. Well, that's a powerful lesson, and, and uh, I can't believe it, but the whole show is gone, Margaret. We've had, we've had a great opportunity to learn some top rules, but there's others, so I encourage everyone to get a hold of the hidden language of business. And, Margaret, where can they find it? Um, if they go on Amazon and key in my name, it'll come up, or the hidden language of business, it'll come up. It's also on Barnes & Nobles and Borders. That's probably the easiest way to order it. It can be ordered from... Um, the publisher at Cold River Studios, um, if you wanted to order directly from the publisher. And what is your, uh, uh, how, how can people access your uh, uh, website? Um, the name of my website is actually the business name. It's www.thredge.net. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking time for being with us today, and I hope that uh, you stay out of the snow up there in Nashville. Thank you very much for asking me. This has been so enjoyable. I appreciate it. Margaret, we've enjoyed it. Take care of yourself. Say hi to your husband for us. We have another great show next week, so uh, come back with us to next week. And Ken? Margaret, take care. Thank you very much. Cheryl, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.